You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis, solo here for the final hour on a Monday afternoon as we come close to the end of week four, which will end tonight, Bengals and Steelers on Monday Night Football. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Ronis, on the gram at Aaron88, and check out all my work at fulltimefantasy.com if you have any specific questions. You could ask them on the message boards and the forums anytime you want, and we will answer them. You could find my work there as well. We got the week four prescription notes from Dr. Roto, as well as his fantasy football podcast reviewing week four. And of course, if you are playing the showdown slate tonight, you can head on over to our DFS area and the optimizer can help you out as you heard us go over some potential plays for tonight. And I typically don't play these showdown slates. Maybe I will start to more, but... I usually don't, but I know a lot of people do. It makes the game more interesting, especially when you have a pair of 0-3 teams. So you can play around with the optimizer. Maybe it'll give you someone that you weren't thinking about. That's what I like to use it for. And then you go, hmm, I wasn't thinking of that player. Dig down, do some research, and maybe you'll figure out why. Or maybe you go, nope, I don't see it, uh, and go in a different direction. But uh, you can also check out my fantasy work at si.com slash fantasy i'll have my waiver wire article which will be posted tomorrow morning so i'll have that uh sent in tonight and you can catch it nice and early on tuesday morning we'll recap a lot of the games and what it means from a fantasy perspective it was one of those weeks where we had a lot of players that are not on fantasy teams score touchdowns especially early in the afternoon games, and we did see a lot of players disappoint. And remember, that's going to happen in fantasy football. There are going to be some odd weeks, and I think for many, this was one of them as the scores are down. Uh, from what I've seen in my leagues, it looks like the scoring was way down from last week, and uh, that will happen from time to time. But there were some key injuries yesterday. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky hurting his left shoulder, and it's dislocated, and he has a slight labrum tear, so he will not need surgery, according to reports, and he should be back sooner than later. The Bears are going to London in Week 5. Uh, looks like he will make the trip, but they are likely not going to play him. And then the following week, they have a bye week. So you will not see Trubisky this week against the Raiders. That means Chase Daniel will be in there. And he got off to a good start, then slowed down. I know most people do not have Trubisky anyway. They've cut him after his bad performance. If you're in a league that starts two quarterbacks, you probably do have him. I know I do in one, uh, and I did actually start him this week reluctantly because I also have Kirk Cousins in that league. So, yeah, that team is struggling. I waited on quarterbacks, and it has not worked out in that format this year. So, look, Trubisky hasn't been very good. He did have the three touchdowns on Monday night against the Redskins last week. So, uh this is an offense that you're really not investing in heavily right now anyway. Uh, David Montgomery has seen his snaps go up every single week, but he has not been productive fantasy-wise. So the volume has been there, but not the results that you want for a guy like Montgomery who was taken in the third, fourth round. It's really been a, a dismal start to the season. He got 21 carries, 
only 53 yards. And I know it was the Vikings defense, but it's not what you wanted to see. He had three receptions for 14 yards, so just two and a half yards per carry. Tariq Cohen is someone that I did not like before the year. I thought his usage would go down. He did get a touchdown in this game, but again, the volume is not there for him. Five carries, 11 yards, two catches, seven yards, and a touchdown. So it's an offense right now that uh, there's not many pieces you feel confident in. I think really it's only David Montgomery and Allen Robinson is all you can use right now in this offense. Robinson caught all seven of his targets for 77 yards. He's looked really good this year. I, I wish he had better quarterback play. If he did, man, we'll, we would have seen a way better performance out of him. We're still waiting for Sam Darnold to return for the Jets. Jets were on by in week four. Jets coach Adam Gase said that Darnold has been cleared for non-contact drills, but he's not to the point where the Jets had hoped. So it doesn't seem like he's going to play this week. Now, again, that is not official yet, but just reading some of the things that they have been saying, he has not resumed throwing, running, or lifting weights. So it looked like he had hoped to return this week, but that might not happen. So we could see Luke Falk against the Eagles this week for the Jets. So just keep that in mind. TJ Hawkinson with a terrible injury yesterday. You know, we've seen, I've seen it quite a bit this year. We've seen these hurdles by these players, and I don't understand it because you don't pick up that much extra yardage. Okay, maybe there's an occasional hurdle, and then you break free for 10, 15 yards, but you usually don't see much, and it's just more risk for injury. And TJ Hawkinson did that yesterday, trying to hurdle a defender, and he landed hard on his shoulder and head. It did not look good. He was able to get up, but uh, he has a shoulder injury and a concussion, and Adam Schefter from ESPN reported that he will not be placed on injured reserve. I mean, that is not the most optimistic report because it still means he can miss five, six weeks. So I know Hawkinson, after that big week one against Arizona, slowed down. Uh, he did get a touchdown yesterday, and we knew that was going to be a good spot because the Lions would be forced to pass a lot going up against the Chiefs, and that's exactly what happened. But we still don't know when he's going to return, and obviously it really sucks. Uh, for T.J. Hawkinson, and you just hope you're, he's okay. He has a bye week next week anyway, so his owners were looking for a replacement and never easy at the tight end position. Devontae Adams didn't practice today. Remember, he injured his toe on the Thursday night game, and he was going off. Uh, apparently, it's not that serious, so it sounds like there's a chance he could play, but my guess is he doesn't if it's turf toe. And they go up against the Cowboys next week. So that's definitely something you want to keep an eye on. The Raiders, uh, Vontez Burfick, linebacker, is suspended for the rest of the year. There was another unnecessary roughness hit that he had. Uh, it was pretty bad on Jack Doyle. And I'm just a little surprised that Jack Doyle was able to stay in the game. But it's been several infractions for Burfick. And uh, he will be suspended for the season. So, uh for IDP leagues, definitely keep that in mind. Remember, four weeks in the book, so we got a lot of players returning from suspension. Antonio Callaway will be back this week for the Browns after missing the first four weeks of the season. Uh, also, Golden Tate will be back for the Giants. And uh, Chris Herndon still has to wait another week for the Jets because they were on bye. So he'll sit out week five and then return in week six. Lots more ahead, including more injury news, and we'll recap the week of week four and what it means for your fantasy team going forward. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. Any questions you have, you could ask them on the message boards and forums, and I will have my waiver wire article up tomorrow morning. You could check that out, si.com slash fantasy. Looking at some of the latest news, Jay Gruden Coach for the Redskins said he's not sure who will start at quarterback this week against the Patriots. So I don't see them putting Dwayne Haskins out there again. He did not look ready. So you do not want to put him in that spot against the Patriots, who finally allowed their first defensive touchdown of the season yesterday against the Bills. They have been phenomenal defensively. I was joking in the first hour how you can make a case for them being the fantasy MVP right now. Uh, I was just glad that I did pick them up after week one off the waiver wire, one of our fantasy football world championships, high stakes leagues. And boy, they have been really, really key for me. Gave me 20 points this week. So uh, expect those times to continue with the Redskins on the slate this week. My guess is Colt McCoy plays, but he did say he wants to see how McCoy feels physically. Same thing with Case Keenum, but it just seems like a terrible, terrible spot to put Haskins in here. I mean, he couldn't get it done against the Giants. Shaky defense, and you want to put him against Bill Belichick, and that Patriots defense, not a good idea. So I don't see that happening. Tyron Smith, the tackle for the Cowboys, got hurt last night. He left this game very late in the fourth quarter when the Cowboys took over on their final drive. Initially, they said it was a high ankle sprain. We all know high ankle sprains are several weeks, usually four to six weeks, as we've seen with Tevin Coleman, who's still out. Uh, Saquon Barkley, I know there were reports so that he could come back sooner. We'll see. But initially, uh, it doesn't seem as severe as initially thought. So they they don't even know about this week against Green Bay. My guess is he probably doesn't play. But, you know, he's an important piece to that offensive line as the left tackle. So at least it doesn't look like he'll miss an extended period of time. So that's some good news. Uh, looks like Albert Wilson will play in week six. Remember, the Dolphins are on bye this week. So, you know, Wilson was very good last year, but obviously there's not enough to sustain a lot in this Miami offense from a fantasy perspective. You know, Devontae Parker had a pretty good game this week. Preston Williams has looked good. So uh, it's, you know, one of the worst offenses. So to me, Albert Wilson is really more of a deep league format bench stash. You know, if you're desperate, like I did pick him up this week thinking he would be back because there's not a lot on the waiver wire. And I have a ton of injuries in that league. I think there's one online championship league where I have seven guys hurt. We have 20 roster spots. We start 11. So you could see the desperation that ensues at times. And that was where I was uh, maybe looking at a guy like Albert Wilson potentially for this week. Uh, Rashad Penny didn't play this past week. I was hoping that he would. That was a late game. And that's one thing, too. You always have to look at the schedule. If you have any players that are questionable for the week, look at the game times. And sometimes maybe the inexperienced player doesn't do this. So there's two things. Number one, never have a flex spot occupied by a player playing on Thursday night or the early games. Now, you could have it in the 1 p.m. games if everyone you have is playing at 1 p.m. But I see this 
by experienced players, people in the industry. They have a player from the Thursday night game in the flex. Don't ever do this. You just lose your flexibility. So say, for example, you had Devontae Adams from Thursday. He should never be in your flex spot. Always put him in the wide receiver spot, even if you had multiple players in that game. Say you had Adams, Howard, and Alshon Jeffrey. Howard's got to be in a running back spot. The two receivers have to be in a wide receiver spot. You got to leave that flex spot open for flexibility purposes. So with Rashad Penny, you know, I had a couple situations where I really hurt to get a running back and I wanted to play him. So I had to make sure that I had an option since that game was, you know, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and Carroll, uh, I mean, uh, Penny did not play, but it sounds like he could be good to go this week. At least that game is early. It's Thursday against the Rams. So we should know. And, Obviously, Chris Carson, uh, much better showing, and we'll talk about that in a little bit because uh, there was kind of a window there, and uh, Carson looked better. Jamal Williams didn't practice. Remember, he was taken off with a head injury on Thursday night, so I doubt he plays, and we did see Aaron Jones get a big workload, something that they didn't do the week before, so you would expect that to continue. I'm sure they probably maybe activate Dexter Williams if Jamal Williams is out, but you would think... Jones still gets a good percentage of the touches while Jamal Williams is out. Kyle Allen will continue to start for the Panthers. Uh, so he'll be the quarterback against Jacksonville in week six. Taking a look at some of the action from yesterday, Titans handled the Falcons pretty easily. You know, you can never count on Marcus Mariota. I know he had a good game, 227, three touchdowns. Didn't get sacked, played from ahead. Uh, Derek Henry, you, you probably were hoping for more. But he did get heavy volume in this. 27 carries as they built that lead. They were up 24-7 at the half. So you knew exactly what was going to happen in the second half. Uh, Henry did not – he caught one pass for eight yards. You know he's not heavily involved in the passing game. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that when they play from ahead or in a close game, he's going to get heavy volume. He's definitely ahead of Deion Lewis now. Now the receivers for Tennessee are just frustrating because this is a team that will not open it up. And A.J. Brown had a, a very good game, three receptions, 94 yards, and two touchdowns, but I believe he played less than 50% of the snaps, so he wasn't on the field a lot. You could say part of that was playing from ahead, but three targets, he caught all of them for 94 yards and two touchdowns, and he looks very good. The problem is there's no way you can count on this guy every week. Now, we've seen four games, two games of at least 94 receiving yards, the other two, 25 yards or fewer. The volume's not there consistently, so he's more of a very deep league play you have him on the bench. We got bye weeks coming up. Maybe you have a ton of injuries, and you're forced to put him in there. So he's good to have on the bench, but he's not someone you can start every week. Same with Corey Davis. Saw his best game of the year, 5 for 91 and a touchdown, but really very difficult to rely on anyone outside of Delaney Walker, and even Delaney Walker had a bad game this week. Just two targets, one catch for four yards. He was a little banged up, and they played from ahead, but we know how bad the tight end position is. And I've said it outside of the top few guys, the elite guys that you're playing every week. When you're looking at the rest of the tight ends, you're essentially hoping for a touchdown. That's going to make their week. That's basically what the tight end position has come down to. And, you know, there's just a lot of inconsistency uh, at that position. Even a guy like Delaney Walker, who I think most people would uh, be dependent on would um, certainly roll with him. So, you know, he had a bad week. If you used him, uh, there's just not a lot of options at tight end unless you have, you know, one of the top ones that you're putting in there every week, like a Travis Kelsey, a Zach Ertz, and I think we could even say Darren Waller now. It's gotten to that point. And obviously, he's been one of the best values this year, and we talked a lot about him in the preseason. So 
um, you know, if you did roll with him, then uh, it's worked out, man. And I was fortunate. I did take him as my tight end one in, uh, in a, that last draft I did in Vegas. Uh, that was obviously after Antonio Brown left, and he certainly got a boost. But, uh, you know, very good uh, performance there, uh, once again, for Waller. On the Falcon side, man, this was a disaster. You know, Matt Ryan did throw for 397 yards, but no touchdowns. He took five sacks. They have some injuries on the offensive line, and it's a problem, and it's forcing him to check down a lot. So who did it benefit? Because of that, it benefited Austin Hooper, who had a monster game, 11 targets, nine receptions, 430 yards, and he's had a nice year. I didn't realize that in some leagues, Hooper was tremendously devalued. Now, it wasn't really that way in the high-stakes leagues, obviously, because we have a lot of sharp people, but I was in... Uh, a home league draft where right after Labor Day, and I couldn't believe how far he fell. And I even said to my friend, I'm like, what are these teams doing? Like there was a team that needed a tight end. And I said, he's definitely taking Hooper here. And he didn't. He passed on him. I'm like, what is everyone doing? And obviously I should have just said, you know what? I already had a tight end and I should have taken him because uh, he was just tremendously devalued in that league. And I guess there were some other spots where that happened as well. But, you know, this is a team that's had a hard time running the football and with the offensive line issues, it resulted in shorter passes. And Muhammad Sanu benefited as well. He had 12 targets, 9 for 91. And we know Sanu's not going to do this every week because he has these games from time to time. And this was the case of Atlanta attempting 53 passes in this game. Devonta Freeman also benefited. Eight receptions for 72 yards, just 12 carries for 28 yards. And a short goal line carry was given to Edo Smith, and he converted it for a touchdown. And Calvin Ridley, once again, three for 32 on just six targets. And Julio Jones has these games from time to time, as every top receiver does, as we talked about earlier. Julio had four for 52 on the day. When we return, we'll continue to go through the week four action. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings NFL tournament, setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer, or join the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars each week playing DFS using DailyRoto.com. There's plenty of money with your name on it in tonight's NFL contest, so why not let the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer help you pad your bank account? If you are playing Daily Fantasy Sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL Annual Pass with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Continuing to take a look at the action from yesterday, the Patriots beat the Bills 60-10. to Man, the Patriots' offense was absolutely awful in this game. If you had Tom Brady on your bench, you certainly are feeling good today. We knew the Bills' defense was good, but this is a game the Bills could have won. And Tom Brady, under 50% of his passes completed, 18 of 39 for 150, 3.8 yards per pass attempt. He had no touchdowns. One interception, too, in the end zone. The Bills picked him off. 
you just really didn't get anything. And the Patriots are a team where you feel comfortable starting a lot of their players on a week-to-week basis because you expect them to put up points. We know Buffalo is a tough place to play, and that defense is good. So uh, Patriots got their, you know, a defensive touchdown to account for one of them. And, of course, as the Patriots do, they had a rushing touchdown. Was it Sony Michelle? No. Was it James White? No. Was it Rex Burkhead? No. Was it Tom Brady? No. It was Brandon Bolden, his only carry of the game for four yards. So, Sony Michelle, look, another game where he just didn't show much. 17 carries, 63 yards, just 3.7 yards per pop. And I've said it repeatedly all preseason. His floor is extremely low. I understand people will say, well, it's the Patriots offense. He could score double-digit touchdowns, and he certainly can. But you get a week like this week where he's not catching passes. All we heard were there were some preseason reports. Yeah, Sonny Michelle is going to catch the football. They're throwing it to him. Never bought into it, and it's not happening. So he had 6.3 points, whether it was PPR or non-PPR. And it's just that floor is so low. You know, there's some running backs that can get you six points alone just in the receiving department. So that's the problem with a guy like Sonny Michelle. And there'll be weeks that you're happy where he scores two touchdowns on 90 yards rushing, but you get weeks like this. And he just has not looked very good. So uh, it's been hard for me to recommend Sonny Michelle and a lot of the start sick questions I get. And, and, you know, he did get the bulk of the touches. You know, we saw Les Rex Burkard, who was dealing with a little bit of an injury. Of course, James White was back. And James White had the best day out of any fantasy player for the Patriots, 8 for 57 on 10 targets. Josh Gordon, we knew he had a tough matchup this week. Uh, I think I have him in one league, and I think I did bench him. Yeah, I actually have good receivers in that league. That's why. 3 for 46 on 7 targets. Julian Edelman did play, was quiet. And even Philip Dorsett, who has been pretty consistent this year, he had nine targets, but only two for 10. So a uh, tough matchup this week for New England. Buffalo, unfortunately, they had an opportunity to win this game. Of course, Josh Allen left getting a, uh, a bad hit. It looked like he was knocked out when he went to the ground. Now, he did get up, walk off the field, jog to the locker room. But that happened in the third quarter, and they had to evaluate him for a concussion. He did not return. He was very shaky in this game. And you see a lot of the deficiencies in his game. He took too many sacks. He held onto the ball long. He took a lot of shots downfield into double coverage. 153 passing yards, no touchdowns, three picks. He was sacked four times. Matt Barkley came in, and he did throw an interception, not surprisingly. So it was tough for the Bills to win once Allen left. Frank Gore, 17 carries, 109 yards. As Devin Singletary sat out again with that hamstring issue. Cole Beasley, you know, he does not have a high uh, ceiling. He has a high floor every week, though. Uh, he's been getting a lot of targets. He's reached double-digit points in PPR formats in three of his four games. The one game he did it was nine. So he's been solid. Again, not someone that's going to give you 25 points. He's not going to score a ton of touchdowns, but a high floor. And that matters in the deeper formats, especially with the buys coming up. Beasley had 13 targets in this one. John Brown, obviously, a tough matchup here against Stephon Gilmore. So I could understand why some people had him on the bench. He was 5 for 69 on 11 targets, so not a bad day. I actually did use TJ Yeldon where I was desperate, figured the Bills would play from behind, and that would mean more TJ Yeldon. And if you did use him, it wasn't that bad. Four for 68 through the air, catching all four targets. He did not get a carry on the ground. And Dawson Knox looks really good. I started to pick him up in some leaks last week. I actually liked him before the year, but I just didn't think uh, he was worth drafting outside of you know, leagues where you start two tight ends. 
and even in those leagues, I missed out on him. But, man, he made a great 21-yard catch falling to the ground. He scored a touchdown in week three, three for 58 on three targets. And I'm fortunate that I picked him up in a fantasy football world championship online draft last week where I had TJ Hawkinson. And obviously that's going to be pretty big with Hawkinson missing some time. So Knox is still out there in some leagues. And look, as I said, all tight ends are not going to produce every week. You know, this is an offense that, you know, depending on the matchup, Beasley and Brown are going to get theirs. But Knox has been impressive, and I could see them, you know, giving him uh, an opportunity to get more targets. So uh, I would look at him. Browns beat the Ravens 40-25. to Browns go on the road, and so many people wanted to drop Baker Mayfield. If you wanted to bet him this week, you know, I, I, I understood it. Uh, and I don't have Baker Mayfield anywhere this year, so I can't really give you a, a scenario for myself. But there were a lot of questions where I thought, you know, you could sit Baker until he does something. And I've said it. I don't think this Ravens defense is the same, and we certainly saw it this week. Uh, it was more on the ground with the Browns, but definitely a positive step in the right direction uh, for Baker Mayfield who was uh, smooth in this game, only one sack, 20 at 30, 342 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. So good performance by him. Nick Chubb, showing why people took him late in the first round, 20 carries, 165 yards, and three touchdowns, including an 88-yard touchdown run. Of course, down game for Odell Beckham, two catches for 20 yards on seven targets as the Ravens made it a point to take Beckham out, and that opened things up. For Jarvis Landry, who did leave this game with a concussion, but Jarvis Landry with his best game of the season, 10 targets, 8 for 167. Ricky Seals-Jones, he's always been someone I liked. I actually drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl in the last round. Arizona cut him, so I cut him. Now, he didn't play a huge amount of snaps, and part of that could be they were playing from ahead. Uh, we saw a lot more snaps for Demetrius Williams. So Seals-Jones, I don't know if he's someone that you can pick up, maybe in deeper formats where you're really desperate at tight end. You want to see if he gets involved more. But remember, Rashard Higgins is out. He could be back soon. Antonio Callaway's coming back from suspension. So that's going to open up some you know, more players that could see targets. Uh, but Seals-Jones, three for 82 and a touchdown, uh, a 59-yard score because he was wide open on that one. So just a name to, to keep in mind there. Uh, for this offense. For the Ravens, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson came through from a fantasy perspective, uh, did miss some throws once again. He took four sacks. He was 247, three touchdowns, two picks, and he ran 66 times on nine carries. Mark Ingram, 12 for 71. They were behind in this game, so uh, they didn't really run the football that much as the Browns opened that lead. Uh, Not much on the receiving side. You know, if you did use Mark Andrews, he came through with a touchdown. Miles Boykin, only three targets, but he did score. Uh, so it was definitely a disappointing game once again for um, Brown, uh, Marquise Brown, four for 22 on seven targets. But, you know, he's basically the wide receiver one. He's getting a lot of targets, and uh, the production will come. So uh, I would not give up on him. Obviously, you expected more in this matchup with the Brown secondary really banged up. Chiefs over the Lions, 34-30, and... Boy, Patrick Mahomes, he had 315 yards, no passing touchdowns. The Lions defense did a really good job of taking away the deep pass as uh, the Chiefs were fortunate here to win on the road. Uh, LaShawn McCoy had 11 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Also caught two passes for 33 yards, but we did see a lot of Darrell Williams in this game. Not efficient on the ground, 8 for 13, but he had two rushing touchdowns and three receptions for 43 yards. So we'll see the status of Damian Williams, what he returns, but Williams certainly in the conversation uh, for RB2 flex, um, especially with bye weeks ahead, as it's in a prolific offense and looks like he's going to get the opportunity to get double-digit touches, and you'll take that. Travis Kelsey, 7 for 85. 
Sammy Watkins, I thought this was a disappointing game for him. You know, he had the big week one, and he has not stepped up since. Did not play well in this game. He lost the fumble. Six targets, three for 54. So he really hasn't taken advantage of the absence of Tyreek Hill. And look, Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman, there were some situations where I got questions where I told people not to play them. But as I said, if the Chiefs offense with the tiebreakers, you're going to roll with these guys. But it's not going to happen every week, and it didn't happen for them this week. Demarcus Robinson, nine targets, four for 35. McCole Hardman, two catches, nine yards, and five targets. So he burned a lot of people. And there were video of Tyree Kill running in the pregame show, and um, he looked fine. But I did see Dr. David Child say it's not just running. It's whether that sternum is strong. You know, a big hit can be a problem. So it looks like uh, – you know, it could be sooner than we think, maybe another two weeks, possibly three. And obviously, that is going to hurt a guy like McCole Hardman because uh, it's going to hurt when Tyreek Hill returns. On the Lions side, again, you just kind of need to look at the opponent to figure out whether the Lions are going to be good for, as far as fantasy for Matt Stafford. I said week one, Arizona, high pace, bad defense, play him. It worked out. This week, he was in the sneaky starts uh, because, or, or was it deep sleep? One of those articles he was in. Because it was the Chiefs, you figured you'd have to throw more, figured they might play from behind. And he had 291 and three passing touchdowns in this one as on Johnson continued to get a big workload. 26 for 125. Now, he did have that crucial fumble, which led to a defensive touchdown for the Chiefs that put them ahead for good. Uh, Kenny Galladay did have a touchdown taken away, but five for 67 and two touchdowns on nine targets. Man, he just looks really good. And some people backed away from him because of this offense. Uh, he started to fall a little bit, but uh, he looked really good in this one. Marvin Jones, three for 77. He's not going to go off every week. And, you know, maybe with Hawkinson out, that could open up some more targets for Marvin Jones. There's not a lot in this offense as far as the passing game. Lots more ahead as we continue to look at the week four results of what it means for your fantasy team, including a team that disappointed many. Tell you why as we continue with his full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Week 4 wraps up tonight. Steelers and Bengals Monday night football. And you can check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. Any questions, ask them on the message boards and forums, trades, waiver wire pickups, start sit, whatever it is. We have you covered. My waiver wire article will be out tomorrow morning, si.com slash fantasy as we continue to look at the action from week four carolina beats the texans 16 to 10 this was just a pathetic performance by the texans offense and i know bill o'brien took a lot of blame afterwards just inexplicable play call they were in the red zone they had deandre hopkins throw a pass from one side of the field to the other i don't know why these teams have these players make these plays remember DeAndre Hopkins is not a quarterback, so these guys who don't play quarterback think they can make every throw, and I don't put this on Hopkins. I put this on the coach for making this play call. He had he had thrown it from across the other side of the field, and we don't even see quarterbacks make this play, and you're asking DeAndre Hopkins to do it, so of course it was picked off. There was no need to do that. They got too cute, 
and it hurt. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, very bad game for him. You know, he was taken as the second, third, fourth quarterback off the board. And you don't expect this performance at home. 160 passing yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Now, he did rush for a touchdown, so that helped at least raise the floor a little bit. Three for 12 on the ground, but six sacks Deshaun Watson took. And that's been a problem for Deshaun Watson. You know, we talked about it in the first hour that it's not only the offensive line. Deshaun Watson just holds on to the ball too long sometimes. It's something that we've seen over the course of his career. And uh, he continues to take too many sacks. And it's it's a problem right now uh, for this offense. You know, Watson has had a couple of really good games. Uh, with He has two games of three passing touchdowns, but he has two games of 160 yards or fewer with no passing touchdowns. And they came against Jacksonville and Carolina. And Carolina's defense has picked it up the last two weeks. Still, there's no excuse with the array of weapons that this offense has. You don't expect this from the Texans. And, uh, you know, it's tough because Deshaun Watson, you're pretty much, if you have him, you're, most of the time you're starting him every single week. You know, the ground game has been a problem for the Texans. You know, Carlos Hyde, the yards per carry is good, but 12 for 58. Uh, and he's barely involved in the pass game. And this game he did get five targets, caught four of them for six yards. Duke Johnson, again, I have no idea why this guy's not involved more. Now, maybe there's something behind the scenes we're not seeing because Cleveland has been reluctant to give him the football a lot. And two years ago, he had a ton of receptions. But they traded a potential third-round draft pick for Duke Johnson. And I'm not asking for Duke Johnson to get 15 carries, but get him involved in the passing game. He had six carries for 56 yards. That's 9.3 yards a pop. And I know it's only six carries. But Duke Johnson is averaging 6.3 yards per carry this year. Your offense is struggling. Why not put the ball in his hands a little more? I don't know. And in the passing game, just three targets, two for 22. So I don't know what they're doing. Uh, On the receiving side, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins. Eight targets, five for 41. You know, we've seen DeAndre Hopkins play with some of the worst quarterbacks and still produce big numbers. I will say this, though. He's a bylaw, and I don't know if you can do it, but if there's a Hopkins team out there that's 1-3, 0-4, they're frustrated because they spent a first-round pick on a guy who hasn't scored a touchdown in three weeks, and he has had some tough matchups. But 5-41 for 41 this week, 6-67 for 67 in week three, and 5-40 for 40 in week two. So this is now two of the last three weeks. DeAndre Hopkins has not reached double-digit points in PPR formats when he did it in every game last season. But the schedule is very favorable upcoming. So I would be sending offers in leagues where you can trade for DeAndre Hopkins right now. Uh, and is it going to be easy to get him? No, it won't be. But there's a chance that uh, that team uh, is, you know, 0-3, 0-4, 1-3. And as I mentioned it last week, you know, they're desperate. You know, they look at it and say, well, this guy's done nothing for me. And that's good for you because that means the better production is coming ahead uh, because I, I don't think it can get much worse for this offense right now. Kenny Stills left this game with a hamstring injury, so that could benefit Kiki QT. And I know QT, only one catch, 11 yards, three targets. But we saw last year when QT was involved in this offense, he could put up numbers. Now, again, this wasn't a good day, but there are better days ahead. Uh, schedule gets much better for Houston. Will Fuller is a guy that I keep waiting to have that big game, and it's not happening. Three catches, 23 yards on six targets. So offense is just struggling right now. They have had some tough matchups, but still uh, no excuse. But the next couple weeks, look at this. Home against Atlanta. Did you see how bad Atlanta was defensively? Go watch some of those highlights if you didn't see. Go look at that A.J. Brown first touchdown. 
I have no idea how they didn't tackle him. There were four defenders by him. He got past them. So they were really banged up in the secondary. The game's at home. Then they're at Kansas City. They're going to have to pass a ton. They're at Indy. They're home against Oakland. Next four weeks look really good for the Texans offense. So uh, definitely put in some uh, offers for uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins now to buy low. And, again, it's not going to be easy. Anyone that's savvy knows how good he is. But, as I said, there could be a team that's 0-4, 1-3. frustrated. They see that he's giving them nothing. And uh, they'll sometimes give them up for, uh, you know, a cheap price or cheaper than you thought. And then what happens? Hopkins goes off next week, has two touchdowns on your team. Panthers, you know, people were getting excited about Kyle Allen. You got to remember that first start was against Arizona. So uh, a lot of people were asking to start him. I did not. I don't think I ever met maybe one answer, but it all depends on who you had. He was shaky in this game. Three sacks. He had uh, three fumbles, lost all three. So he was, they were fortunate to win this game. It was more on the defense. He had 232 yards passing. Didn't turn it over uh, via interception, but the three lost fumbles were a problem. Christian McCaffrey played every snap in this game. Remember when they were going to reduce his snaps? Remember when they were going to bring in a goal line back? Come on, man. We knew it was going to happen. So McCaffrey, 37 touches. So is there concern about him long term? Yeah. Hey, maybe he's one of those guys that can hold up. Probably unlikely at the running back position, but uh, they need him a lot right now and they needed him in this game so you just kind of hope that he can continue to get through because i did draft him number one overall in several leagues so just hoping that he could stay healthy but another big game for him 27 for 93 and a touchdown and 10 receptions for 86 yards 10 targets remember there was talk last week well kyle allen's not really looking at mccaffrey he only had four targets well that changed this week and he made a hell of a catch uh reached out with his hand bobbled it in the air popped it up again and then made a diving catch they did review it but it was a catch so uh, McCaffrey getting the job done obviously the receivers quiet day for them DJ Moore five targets he had two the previous week with Allen three for 44 Curtis Samuel three for 32 on seven targets again I think it will get better for them going forward as they acclimate to Kyle Allen um, and Greg Olson quiet game two catches five yards on four targets after exploiting Arizona which everyone does Uh, so look it's going to be like most tight ends in that range, it's going to be inconsistent from week to week for a player like Greg Olson, who's a little bit older, and they do have some other weapons there. Raiders beat the Colts 31-24. to Derek Carr didn't really need to do much in this game. He did have two pass touchdowns, 189 passing yards. Josh Jacobs, 17 carries, 79 yards. We did see him involved more in the passing game. Not a lot. Two targets, two for 29, but they did play from ahead in this game, so that was probably a factor. But that was one of the things you need to see going forward, and Gruden did say they want to get him more involved in the passing game uh, for the offense. Darren Waller's just money in the bank right now. Eight targets, seven for 53. Now, he has not been as good in non-PPR, obviously, because he hasn't scored a a touchdown yet. It will come. Um, So, yeah, in the non-PPR, he hasn't been as good. PPR, though, he is crushing it right now. He's, he has at least 12 points every week in PBR formats. To get that out of your tight end, and depending on when you did your draft, he either went late or you might have even gotten him off the waiver wire. You know, if you did a draft at June or July, he might not have been drafted. Obviously, in August with hard knocks, he was getting a lot of attention, but this guy had the skill set, he had the body, and more importantly, and that's the biggest thing in fantasy, is opportunity. And it was clear. Even with Antonio Brown there, I think he would have gotten a good amount. 
with Brown out, it just opened up a lot more. And he's versatile. He's a former wide receiver. They can line him up anywhere. They can line him up in the slot out wide. And, man, he is just producing seven for 53. So another double-digit point PPR. And, you know, this is a case of where, you know, you might have him with another good tight end, and you could flex him. Uh, I think it's gotten to that point. He's just been really productive. Not a big game for Tyrell Williams, but he did find the end zone. Three for 36 and a touchdown on seven targets there as uh, Foster Moreau also had a touchdown. But not much. You know, you really only feel comfortable using Tyrell Williams, Waller, and Jacobs in this offense right now. For the Colts, disappointing day. You know, Jacoby Brissett is someone I like this week, and it was a shaky performance, but he did get there from a fantasy perspective. 265 passing yards and three touchdowns. He did throw an awful pick six. He also ran for 19 yards. He can do that from occasionally. Uh, occasion. You don't count on that, but you know he can do it. Marlon Mack had an ankle injury in this game. He did leave early. There were reports that had it been close, he could have returned, but they were playing from behind, so they went with more Naheem Hines in this game. Mack had 11 for 39, and again, this did shape up as a game that looked good for Marlon Mack. I think most people expected the Colts to play from ahead. They were in a six-and-a-half-point six favorite, and it just didn't happen, so it was one of those weeks um, I liked Jack Doyle this week, thought with T.Y. Hilton out, he would see more targets. He had eight, four catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown. Eric Ebron, terrible game here. He had five targets. He dropped three. He did salvage his day if you used him with a 48-yard touchdown catch late in this game. And we were all looking, okay, with T.Y. Hilton out, who's going to benefit? It really wasn't clear. I thought it would be Paris Campbell because he's the best talent, and I thought they could use him in the slot. He only had five catches for 25 yards on eight targets. He also lost a fumble. Uh, Chester Rogers had three for 48 and a touchdown on six targets, and uh, he had a fumble, did not lose it. And Zach Pascal, four for 72 on seven targets. So it was kind of spread around. Um, so, again, I, I do still like Paris Campbell long-term if they could give him uh, a little bit more. I did have to play him in one deep format. Uh, keep an eye on this Marlon Mack. Injury. It doesn't look like it's serious, but if you were to miss time, it would be Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines, and they do play the Chiefs next week, so that could shape up to be uh, potential Naeem Hines' deep play. He had six receptions for 39 yards yesterday. Also, the Chargers beat the Dolphins 30-10. to Melvin Gordon suited up but did not play, and that's why you have to pay attention to these reports. And again, you can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ronis. I try to always tweet out the inactives as soon as I know let you guys know, but Melvin Gordon was emergency only, so hopefully you did not use him. So Austin Eckler, pretty much with his last uh, huge workload of the season, thought he was a good play in DFS. He had 23 touches in this one, 18 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown, 5 for 62 through the air and a touchdown. As Tremaine Pope had 10 carries for 20 yards and two receptions for 14 yards and a touchdown. And I wanted to pick him up in a league, but I didn't do it just because I knew it would be a one-week play. Obviously, uh, Gordon should resume uh, the bulk of the touches next week. Eckler will be involved. Justin Jackson did not play. He was in a boot dealing with a calf issue. Uh, the Chargers were really banged up in this game. No Mike Williams, no Travis Benjamin. Dontrell Inman became a pickup on Friday night once we knew Mike Williams was out. So that's where I told you guys the Friday night pickups in the Fantasy Football World Championship can be important. There's not going to be a lot there. It's also a week to kind of look ahead. Maybe you have an extra roster spot. You pick someone up for a few bucks, and uh, all of a sudden they become a waiver wire pickup on Tuesday where people are spending a lot of money, and you have them for cheap. So I was desperate at a couple leagues, picked up Inman. 
Uh, if you used him, it worked out. He had seven targets, five for 76. I think he did leave this game with an injury. You have to double check on that. You know, Keenan Allen was in a smash spot and only five for 48. And part of that was they played from ahead as uh, the Dolphins really didn't do much. And they got to stop playing Kalen Balaj. And he started to lose some snaps to uh, Walton at running back as uh, Devontae Parker with the lone touchdown for the Dolphins. Is, uh, they're a tough team on a week-to-week basis to play anyone. They'll be on bye next week. So that sucks if you're in a suicide pool because it's going to make it a little bit more difficult. We'll wrap it up when we return, looking at some of the other big news from the weekend, and it's full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Back here, full-time fantasy. Adam Ronis here for a few more minutes. And one of the big games yesterday, Tampa Bay with a surprise 55-40 to win over the Rams. And said it before the year, Jameis Winston could determine a lot of my fantasy football fate. I was heavily invested in him. And I did bench him in a couple leagues, but a few of them I rolled with him. And on paper, it was a brutal matchup. You know, the Rams the first three weeks were shutting everyone down. But Winston showed up and balled out in this one. 385 passing yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, The pick was late. It was a bad one, but he looked good. And Chris Godwin, I mean, he was my breakout player of the year. And he had 12 receptions, 172 yards, two touchdowns on 14 targets. Questionable coming into this one with a hip injury. And he was on the bench for some people. Uh, I did bench him in one league, man, and it hurts. Uh, He had a huge game. Mike Evans, also a big game. Touchdown came late on a 67-yard play, but he finished 4 for 89 and a touchdown. Cameron Braid scored a touchdown, but still O.J. Howard in a day. The team put up 55 points. O.J. Howard had 3 for 33 on three targets, man. It's just it's not happening for Howard. So, look, the tight end position is so tough, and I know people want to drop him, but kind of have to hang on. Maybe you could bench him. I have him in a 14-team league, and there's not much out there, so I have to continue to roll with him, and obviously it's hurting me. Uh, Bruce Arians came out and said Peyton Barber will continue to start. I don't know why. Anyone who's watched the Bucks this year, Ronald Jones is way better than Peyton Barber. He's much improved. He's running with authority. He's breaking tackles. He just looks way better. He had 19 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown, and he caught a 12-yard pass. So that's the one thing. He's still splitting. He played more snaps than Barber, and he's not heavily involved in the passing game as they use Ogbenwale. He had three receptions for 16 yards, but Barber had nine carries for 19 yards. So Jones has been way better this year. I mean, Barber's just like over three yards per carry. Ronald Jones is 4.7, so he should play more. I know the talk is Barber will start, but remember, just because he starts doesn't mean much. If he goes in there and continues to do nothing— and, and Jones has the hot hand, as we saw yesterday. I think they'll roll with him. So I really wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, Ronald Jones still available in some leagues, and I think he's certainly someone you can pick up. And you might not be able to start him every week yet, but certainly in play. That wraps it up here. Check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. I'll be back Tuesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.